Well, good morning, church. Hey, why don't you turn to someone around you that's not in your family and tell them how glad you are that they're here today. Well, hey, before we open up God's Word together, would you join me in a word of prayer? Father God, we are so grateful for who you are and the fact that if we just gather by ourselves and have some good ideas shared, that we're not really going to change our lives at all. But the fact is, it's your Holy Spirit, it's your Word speaking, it's you moving in us and through us that takes a normal gathering and turns it into something supernatural. And so God, today that's our prayer, that we wouldn't just come here and sing some songs and hear a sermon and leave, but God, that we would come out of this place looking a little bit more like you. That, Father, as we leave this place, people would see you and us in the way we act, in the way we live, and in the hope that we have in you. And so, God, I thank you for the way that you're going to work today and the things you're going to do. We are expectant and already praising you in advance. God, thank you so much for your presence in this place and the presence in all of us today who are coming here and hurting, who are coming here broken, who are coming here with things that we're bringing through our week. God, I pray that Anyone here in this place that needs a touch from you, they'd be able to bring everything from their week and just lay it gently at your feet and allow you to work in it, God. Thank you for what you're going to do in your precious and holy name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, church, we've been in a series going through 1 Peter. Last week we stopped in 1 Peter 3 at verse 12. And so today I'm going to continue on and read from verse 13 through 16. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to get them out, click or or turn over in your pages over to 1 Peter chapter 3. Starting in verse 13, Peter writes this, he says, Who's going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats, do not be frightened. But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do so with gentleness and respect. Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So once again, Peter is talking to a group of people who are in a world that doesn't reflect their values, a world where they kind of stand out like a sore thumb. A fact, the fact is, a lot of things have been going badly for Christians in this time. And Peter is talking to a people who are in desperate need of hope, but are also in desperate need of being a hope to a world around them that desperately needs Jesus. And so Peter is talking to them about how to share this hope with the world around them. And as I was going through this message for this week, I, I, a story came to my mind. It's the... Very true story of a priest, a rabbi, and a pastor who are walking in, a, in the woods one day. Maybe it's not true. I don't know. But a priest, a rabbi, and a pastor are out walking through the woods one day. And they have kind of an argument about who's better at their job. And they go back and forth kind of talking about which one is actually better at telling people about their religion when they decide, listen, let's just settle this, Okay. So they decide to go off their separate ways into the woods and find a bear and try to convert the bear. And so they go off and about an hour passes and suddenly the pastor and the priest come back into into the clearing and the priest says, well, 
Man, it went really well for me. I found a bear. I was able to tell him all about our beliefs and read from the Bible to him. And finally, I gave him a, a very shortened confirmation class, and then I was able to give him his first communion. Wow, that's pretty good. Pretty good. The pastor says, well, man, I, I preached my best sermon to that bear. Man, I just, I went hard and I, I gave, I told him all about the gospel and salvation and grace and Jesus Christ and the bear was so moved, he allowed me to baptize him. Wow, that's really good. Finally, finally they're like, Where, where's the rabbi at? And so they're looking around trying to find him and finally a couple hours go by and they see some commotion and there's a, an EMS crew who's bringing the, the rabbi out on a stretcher with a neck brace around his neck and scratches all over his face. And they're like, what happened? And he said, well, um, in hindsight, maybe I shouldn't have started with the circumcision. <laughs> you know, in our world today, statistics and studies show that more and more believers in Jesus see the idea of sharing their faith with someone else to be about as appetizing as circumcising a bear. Like it's something that genuinely scares a lot of people. It brings up a lot of discomfort. Even in our, in our world, there's even those who are starting to believe that it's even wrong to share their faith, or that it's impolite, or it's impractical. And it's interesting because as I am around more and more believers, I start to hear this, this aversion to sharing your faith, which I understand there can be fear and trepidation, but also there's some who just downright don't want to do it. Which is crazy to me because if we genuinely believe that Jesus is the hope of the world, if we're not just coming and actually hearing sermons and, and, and just having a, a little checkbox in our week, if we genuinely have a relationship with Jesus, that's something that I genuinely want to share with the world around me. I don't always know how. I don't always have all the answers to share it, but man, I genuinely want other people around me to experience the hope and the love of Jesus. There's a quote from a pastor I heard this week that says, if your gospel isn't touching other people, then maybe that gospel hasn't touched you yet. See, the thing is, if we are genuinely people who are changed by Jesus, we're going to start to have that change come out of us to the world around us. It's just a natural thing that's going to happen. And so much of what Peter is writing about is how these people can be a witness and a light to a world around them who desperately need a light. They desperately need hope in their life. And I don't know if you know this, but as you go back and study church history, how many of you know there were Christians before you and I? Everybody know that? We're all on the same page? Okay. How many of you know they didn't have any of the stuff that we need to have church? Like all the important stuff, like internet electricity, air conditioning, like all the, all the really, really important stuff, they actually didn't have any of that. They just had these groups of people who gathered together and suddenly the church spread like wildfire. Like the church kept spreading and spreading and going and going even though they didn't have any bumper stickers that had their church's name on it or Jesus loves you on it. They didn't have any cool t-shirts, none of it. The way the church spread in that day was by the power of the Holy Spirit working through average Joes and average Janes, just talking to people about their not-so-average God. Just average Joes and average Janes talking about their not-so-average God. Pastor Philip Rice says it this way. He says, Believers are called out from the impurities of human culture and then sent back into it as agents of change 
and transformation. See, we're called as Christians to proclaim the good news. Peter writes it this way. He says, to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give you, ask you to give the reason for the hope that you have. The fact is, every believer has a life message. When you become a believer, you also become God's messenger. The fact is, when God does something in you, what God has done in your life, the reason for the hope that you have in Jesus, becomes a reason to the world to believe in Jesus. God wants to speak through you, not only through your words, but through your changed life. The Bible says in 1 John 5.10 that those who believe in the Son of God have the testimony of God in them. The issue is, though, when we start talking about that, I mean, it sounds like a really good idea, but a lot of believers that I talk to go, man, but I don't know, I just, I don't have all the answers. You know, I, I don't speak well with my words. I, I don't know if, I, you know, if I can actually articulate the message that I want to come across, or I, I don't know if I can actually talk about Jesus to other people. I, I, don't, I don't have all the knowledge. What if they ask me a question that I don't have the answer to? There's all these things. And what I love about this passage is that Peter makes this really, really simple. See, Peter doesn't actually talk about sharing your faith with anyone. He doesn't say, have an articulate argument to to come back at them. Don't have your PowerPoint presentation ready when they ask you questions. Don't have all the answers, your systematic theology. He says, simply, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you the reason for the hope that you have. Peter talks to them about sharing their hope, not their faith. And the fact is, there's a big difference between sharing your hope and sharing your faith. Hope is something that everyone is searching for. Everyone needs in their life. You know, there's a study that was done a while back on some rats in a lab where they, they picked up these rats and they put one group of rats in this big thing of water. And believe it or not, after about an hour, they came back and the the rats had drowned. But then there was another group where they put the rats in. And then about every hour, about that point where they were about to give up and be done and drown, they would pick the rats up very briefly, kind of shake them off a little bit, and then put them right back in the water. It was interesting. By doing that, they didn't actually give them any more strength or anything. They weren't giving them that much of a rest But because of the hope that these rats now had, that they were going to be rescued, it's a horrible experiment, but because of the hope they had, these rats could go on and they actually were able to swim for 24 hours because they had been rescued before. And so they knew there's hope. So I'm going to keep going and keep going and keep going. The fact is, it's hope that keeps us afloat in our life. And the fact is, many of us have been told in our life to, to share our faith with other people, and that's a great thing to do. But oftentimes, that can be something that can create tension, which is a good thing sometimes. The fact is, sometimes we don't always know how to talk about our faith to other people, because our faith is based on our beliefs. And that's something people can argue with. And sometimes arguments are great, sometimes conversations are great, sometimes iron sharpening iron is a great thing. But the fact is, our hope in Jesus is based on our story. The hope that I have in Christ is based on what God has done in my life. And the fact is, no one can argue with that. The Bible tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. 
Our testimony is a story of, the, of what God has done in our life, the reason that we have hope in Christ. The fact is, when we give our personal testimony, when we share our hope, it carries more weight than any carefully reasoned argument or well-articulated set of ideas. One of my favorite testimonies in the Bible is in John chapter 9. Oh, I love this testimony. There's this guy, I don't know if you know the story, but there's this guy who was blind from birth. And Jesus comes up and heals him. And if you remember the story, he, he comes up to Jesus, or uh, uh, yeah, he, he, Jesus comes up to him. And, and he does something kind of strange. He takes some dirt, he spits in it and makes some mud, and then rubs it on his eyes. Which, if I do that, that's a health code violation. But when Jesus does that, something miraculous happens. When, and that's what I love, is that there's a lot of things that you and I can do that would never work. But when Jesus shows up, man, miracles start happening. And so he, he suddenly can see. And everyone around is amazed except for some people that weren't so happy with Jesus. And so these Pharisees bring this man in and start asking him questions and start kind of harassing him. Okay, well, what about this? What did he say about this? And do you think he's a sinner? What do you think about him? And this guy just literally got his sight. And what I think is so funny about the story is his parents come in. And they, they, they ask him kind of to verify, like, was he, you know, was he born blind? They're like, yep, that's our son. He was born blind. And then they start kind of going at the parents a little bit. And his parents immediately go, uh, actually, he's a grown man. He can answer his own questions. So this guy literally just got his sight just in time to see the bus that his parents are about to throw him under. Like, they're just like, no, we're good. And so now he's all alone with these Pharisees coming at him going, what about this and what about that? Do you think he was a sinner? And in verse 25, he says this. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was blind, now I see. That's one of my favorite testimonies in the Bible. That's the simplest testimony you can give. Because there are moments where I may say, listen, I don't know everything. I don't know everything about that, but let me tell you what I do know. I was blind, now I see. I was in bondage to sin, but now I'm not. I was addicted, but now I'm not. I was such an angry, violent person, but now I'm not. The fact is, what God has done in your life, the reason for your hope is one of the most important things you can share with people. The fact is, every single one of you may not be a scholar on the Bible. I would encourage each and every one of us to look up things and learn more about the Bible and learn more about Jesus. I think the, the fact is we should all be studying to learn more and more and more. But each and every one of us have areas that we're not going to know everything in. But each and every one of us are a scholar in our own story. Each and every one of you are a scholar in the testimony that God has written in your life. You know, this past month, I've had some great conversations with many of you. There's been some things going on in, in the world of businesses closing and relationships ending and just really terrible things. And many of you, I, I've heard some statements out of you. And it comes down to kind of this sentence, really. It's always, yeah, this sucks. Yeah, this hurts. Yeah, this isn't a good situation. But, my God's going to do something. 
but. And it's not always this confidence. Sometimes it's, but I'm believing God's going to do something. But I have hope. The fact is, the hope that you have speaks volumes to the world around you. The hope that we have in Christ is something that's going to cause people to ask you questions. Peter says here, always be ready. He doesn't say necessarily in this passage that, hey, go out on the street corner. He says, always be ready. Because the fact is, when you start following Jesus and really are following him, eventually there's going to be a moment where someone around you is going to ask the question. It's going to be something like this. What's wrong with you? Why would you do that? Why would you love like that? How in the world do you have hope in this moment? You just lost everything. How can you still be cheerful and joyful and praising God? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you the reason for my hope. Let me tell you the reason why I still have love for other people. Let me tell you the reason I still have forgiveness. Let me tell you the reason that I'm still praising God in this moment. Because no matter what, I have hope. Peter's saying, always be ready to give the answer for why you have hope. So the first thing Peter does is tell them to have to share their hope. He doesn't necessarily talk about sharing your faith, but he says, share your hope. And the second thing, though, he says to do it with gentleness and respect. He says, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord, always being prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Ephesians 4 tells us to speak the truth in love. And that's something I notice quite a bit in our world is that some people are really, really good at speaking the truth and they're not always the best at speaking it in love. Anybody else know someone like that? There's moments. They're really good, man. They, they can really speak the truth, but they don't do it in a way that gives you the impression they actually care about whether or not you believe the truth. They just kind of want to be right. I heard a statement this week that said, when we speak of God and our hope in Jesus, it's important to remember that we are witnesses, not prosecuting attorneys. You know, there was a study done by a California-based Christian marketing company that did some idea, did some digging into how people see, or how non-Christians in the United States view evangelical Christians. And they came up with this statement. They found that they view evangelical Christians somewhat more kindly than prostitutes, but with less affection than lawyers. That's not the best place to be. Oftentimes, I think that's because there's a lot of people in our world that enjoy sharing beliefs, but they don't actually care about the person that they're sharing them to. There's no gentleness, there's no respect, there's no kindness. See, this doesn't mean that We aren't bold about our faith. This doesn't mean that we're not bold in saying, listen, this is what I believe. It's not, it's not when we're questioned that we go, yeah, yeah, I I mean, I I, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, that's the reason for, I know it kind of might offend some people. Yeah, I I believe in the, in, in the Bible. Yeah, yeah. No, that's not what he's talking about. Doing things with gentleness and respect means that I can still be bold in my faith. It means that I can still say the truth. It just means that I have no intention of trying to hurt someone. I have no intention of doing it in a way that tries to slap them in the face. I still will stand on Jesus. I still will stand on the Bible. I will never back down from that. 
but I'm always going to be kind and loving and gentle towards those who believe differently than me. I'm never going to enjoy throwing something in someone's face. It's kind of like if any of you have children and you had that moment where, you know, they have a diaper issue. Things don't feel good down there. Maybe because dad forgot to change the diaper. And now it's a little red, and now you try to go change it. And you've got to do this to make them clean, right? But then they're just fighting you. I did this last night with my daughter. My goodness, you would have thought I was trying to kill her. She was just, it's like She was, oh my gosh, she's a ninja. She was throwing hands and legs and headbutting and biting. It's horrible. The fact was, I was doing something that caused her discomfort, a little bit of pain. But I was doing it because I loved her genuinely. At no point in there was I going, yeah, take it! Woo! That'd be horrible. The same thing goes for us if we ever have a moment where we share Jesus in a way that people find uncomfortable. Sometimes the truth that, that in God's word is uncomfortable to people around us. We, we never back down from that, but we always seek to do it with gentleness and respect. Francis de Sales once said, nothing is as strong as gentleness. There's a third thing that Peter talks about. The third key here is to live it out. He, he says, first of all, to revere your, in, in your hearts, excuse me, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. And then goes on then in verse 16, he says, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. And keep a clear conscience. One of the things I have noticed in my few years on the earth is that in the church there's a lot of people who like the idea of Jesus as Savior, but they aren't so keen on the idea of Jesus as Lord. Like, they, they like the idea of, yeah, gee, let's go worship Jesus. And they, they love, they, they're even okay with Jesus, you know, being a judge to other people's sin. Just not mine. Let's not talk about that one. There's people that, you know, I once heard of a, a person that went up to a pastor and said, Pastor, you need to preach more on sin. The pastor said, great, what's your sin? I'll preach on it this week. He said, no, I'm good. No, 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 I, I meant other people's sin. See, a lot of times in the church we can get to a place where we, we preach something that we don't match up with. And then, thankfully, this is not a new issue. We can go look back throughout history and see moments of this. You know, a moment that always stands out in my mind is the moment leading up to the Civil War when you had churches that were making different Bibles and different, different articles of religion for different parts of the country. And you literally had a point where Slave owners were starting to realize that there's freedom in Jesus. And when slaves actually like read the Bible and actually understood that they were new creations in Christ Jesus and read some of the other things that were in there about how to treat people, uh, it, it kind of con conflicted with how they were being treated. And so they actually created these things called slave Bibles. They were taking out all the, the, the parts about being a new creation in Christ all the parts about freedom, all the parts about how masters should treat their slaves, like if they're a brother in Christ, it says some very specific things about that. There, there's a lot of things in there, so they ended up editing it down, and I love what Frederick Douglass said. And it's a quote that I think rings throughout history. It says, Between the Christianity of this land and the Christianity of Christ, he says, I recognize the widest possible difference. 
Brennan Manning wrote this as well. He says, The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and then walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world finds simply unbelievable. The thing is, if we tell people that our hope is in Jesus, then our actions should back it up. Now, when I say that, what I think happens is a lot of us hear that and we go, okay, great, I'm checking out now, I'm done. Right, because you said i got to live it out, so therefore that's the reason I don't share my faith, right? Because I'm not perfect, I still mess up, I still make mistakes. Sometimes we hear that and we go, okay, great, I guess I can't really share my faith, I can't share the reason for my hope with anyone because I still have issues in my life. See, th- there are some people, very, very few amount of people, that, that maybe should stop talking about Jesus so much on the platforms that they're on and actually look, work on like obeying Jesus and living it out. The thing is, those people are very few and far between. Because here's the thing, I'm going to share a secret with you today. If you are someone who loves Jesus and seeks to, to be led by him, but you're not perfect, you still have struggles, you still have issues, you still have things that God's working on you in, can I share you a really important piece of information when it comes to sharing your hope with other people? You guys ready? You guys ready for this? It's not about you. The fact is, the hope that we have in Jesus has nothing to do with you. I didn't die for anyone's sins. You didn't die for anyone's sins. So when I tell people about the hope there is in Jesus, it doesn't have a lot to do with me. In fact, my life is pretty much a test case for God will take anyone, even idiots. So you're all welcome. No, I'm just kidding. The thing is, what God has done, the grace and forgiveness that God offered to me, and God offers to you is something I use each and every day. When I preach about grace, when I cre- preach about peace, when I preach about a relationship with Jesus, it's something I desperately need each and every day in my life because it's not about me. The fact is, I seek to be more like Jesus each and every day. But whether or not I am anything has nothing to do with, with the salvation power that is in the blood of Jesus. It's about Him, not me. And I love what Peter says here. He says, keeping a clear conscience. And when I think of a clear conscience, I think of being perfect. Right? If I to have a clear conscience, I must not do things that causes my conscience to be corrupted, right? But there's two things I think that create a clear conscience that we have to look at. The first one is called forgotten sin. The fact is, if you are following Jesus, there will be a point in your life where there is sin that you had before that you no longer have. There, there are sins in my life that I've completely and totally forgotten about. God has already forgotten about them. They're as far as the east is from the west. And in my life, I wouldn't even think of doing those things anymore because God has changed me so much. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Philippians 2.13 says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. That's a way that I have a good, uh, a good conscience. My conscience is clear because I've forgotten of this sin. I've completely moved on from it and I've repented. But there's a second thing that clears my conscience. It's forgiven sin. See, keeping a clear conscience doesn't mean that I don't sin. It means that I readily use the grace and forgiveness that I preach to other people. 
I readily admit my mistakes and I strive to look more and more like Jesus with the help of the Holy Spirit. There's a verse in Hebrews 10 that I absolutely love. It's one of my favorite verses. It says, For by one sacrifice He, Jesus, has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. He's made perfect forever those who are being made holy. See, the blood of Jesus has made me perfect before God. Because the fact is, it's only the blood of Jesus that does that. By God, by Jesus' sacrifice, I am seen as perfect before God because of the grace and forgiveness that Jesus has given me. And everything else that God is doing in my life is just trying to catch me up to that. See, I've already been made perfect before God, but God is making me holy. He's working on me each and every day. But the thing is, it's that journey, that, in that journey, that I get to preach and walk with other people. It's in the midst of my brokenness that God is leading me through, that I get to share my hope to others. And that's the reason for my hope. That's the hope that I have, that there is a God that doesn't expect me to get all cleaned up. And to have a clear conscience before Him, I don't have to get in the bathtub and get everything all perfectly clean. In fact, I serve a God that gets in the bathtub with me and says, Listen, let me clean you off. Let me make you whole. Let me make you new. Let me wash you and make you white as snow. Because the fact is, it's not about me. That's that I hope that I have in Jesus. And the fact is, there are people all around us each and every day that need to hear about that hope. There are people around us each and every day who desperately need hope and forgiveness in their life. And God wants to use the broken vessel of you and I to reach out to them. Because the fact is, we all have a mission field, if we'll allow it. We all have a group of people around us that's unique to us. There are people that you will meet tomorrow that I will never meet. There's people who like you who don't like me and vice versa. There's people that I get along with really well that you may never talk to. The fact is, each and every one of us have a mission field of people who are broken, people who are hurting, who people who want a reason to have hope. The question is, are we willing to share that hope with them? To tell them about what God has done in our life. To tell them about Jesus. Invite them to church. Open up a Bible with them. Are you willing to reach out and be that hope to the world around you? Now, of course, when we talk about that hope, sometimes we can share that hope. We can share about that and people think, that's great, but I'm not really sure if I have that in my own life. Like we talk about a testimony, I'm not sure if I actually have that going on in my own life. I just want to encourage you today that as we close, maybe it takes some time to really ask yourself, Is God really my everything? Is my hope found securely in Jesus? Have I ever started a relationship with Him? If you never have, I hope today's the day that you start that. I'm going to close this in a word of prayer. And as we bow our heads, I just want to invite us to ponder for a moment. As we come before God's throne. God, we just just want to thank you that we have a hope that comes from you. That our hope isn't based on how good we are or how cleaned off we are. But God, it's based in you and your son and his sacrifice on the cross. And so today we come and we say, thank you, thank you, thank you for the gift that you've given us in Jesus. And God, we pray 
for anyone here today who has never started that relationship with you, that today would be the day where they trust completely and totally in you. And for each of us who say that we are followers of you, God, I pray that you would instigate in us a holy passion for people that don't know you yet. People who are broken and hurting. God, I pray over each person here today who's willing to be your vessel, that as they leave this place, as they go through their week, God, I pray that they would have opportunities to share their hope. That suddenly their eyes would be open to the brokenness and the hurting around them. God, help our people to go out and be like you to the world, sharing hope, sharing life, sharing love, and ultimately pointing people back to their Heavenly Father. God, I pray that this church would be a city on a hill, a group of people who go out into the world and bring life change. God, I thank you for what you're going to do. I thank you for how you're going to work. Would you continue to break our hearts for what breaks yours? God, you are so awesome and amazing and incredible. And we just continue to worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, church, every week we love to not only sing at the beginning, but we love to respond to God by worshiping Him. And so there's several ways you can do that. We're going to sing here in a moment. You're welcome to worship in any way that you see fit. We're going to have some folks at either cross that love to pray for you in any area. We have some cars in front of you. If God's doing something on your heart today and you want to make a decision for him or have a prayer request that we can pray over through the week, we just invite you to fill those out. Church, we love you. Can't wait to see what God does in you and through you. Let's continue to worship. Amen, church?